0: Look, when you think about how these rules and models are created, they're based on historical behavior. So rules are a set of uh, sort of logic that flow together to identify specific types of behaviors. And um, you think about supervised uh, machine learning models. That's where you're taking events that have happened in the past, and you're training a model to find more of those things. Now, what's happened in the COVID area is all of the consumers' behaviors have changed. Forever. I like to give the example of my mother in law. My mother in law is in her 80s. She was one of the ladies who would always go into a bank. She would always smile to tell her. She would always write paper checks. She would use cash at the grocery stores. She didn't even have a digital phone. Now, after COVID, we had to buy her an iPhone. We had to set her up. She, she pays all her bills online. She does 100% mobile banking. Now, if you think about a model that's looking at her behavior, it's going to look very unusual. What, what we're hearing is banks are getting four to 600 times the volume of alerts that are in the high 90 percentile uh, false positive. The behaviors that have changed in the consumers and how they behave and, uh, and their activities have really rendered these models virtually useless because everybody's behaviors changed and these models are tuned and designed on historical behavior that's now very different.
1: You mentioned there the number of false positives. Are you saying that a lot of cybercrime is getting through purely because of the volume of work that banks are being presented with?
0: Yes. And there's new patterns that no one's ever seen before. There's zero-day attacks. Think about it. People were uh, here in the U.S. We had a lot of stimulus checks. And they actually had people... Uh, calling or going door to door and saying, we, we're trying to get the stimulus check to you. We know we're behind. Just give us your social security, your birth date and your address and we'll get it right to you. And people are doing it by the thousands. So there's a, it's a, that's a simple one. But there's a lot of new attacks, new patterns of uh, fraud and financial crimes that these models and rules have never seen before. And they weren't, they weren't designed to detect. And that's why we're so busy. That's why we're seeing so much activity because our solutions, our systems are data-driven. It's an unsupervised approach to machine learning. And so there's no predefined rules or patterns or threshold. It's really looking at the data and it's identifying what's unusual, what behaviors are very different than they they have been before. And so because it's um, dynamic and it automatically tunes to the data, it's actually able to find these things very precisely you know, this technology was designed for zero-day attacks. It was designed to find things that you, you don't even know how to ask the question what to look for. That's the power of this new technology and the, uh, and the new A- A artificial intelligence uh, solutions that are in the marketplace are really bringing not just more precise detection capabilities, but also, you know, dynamic to adjust as, uh, as the market and as behaviors change.
1: What you're talking about is not so much artificial intelligence as artificial intuition.
0: Exactly. Good. So you read our brief. <laughs> That's a, What you said is exactly right. Our, our technology is really based on how the human brain works. Now, think about it. When you saw me, when we logged on to this video call today and you saw me, you didn't actually take out a a ruler and measure the distance between my eyes or how long my nose is or you didn't really calculate what the the shade of brown my eyes are on the rgb scale you looked at me you looked at all the connections uh and and you made a determination about me as a whole about my gestalt and then you compared that to a memory have i seen this guy before does he look smart does he look stupid is he going to give me good information or bad information is he a threat is he a friend you made all of these associations very quickly. And that's sort of how our technology works. What it does is it looks at all of the different points of data and how they're connected. Not, not focusing on the values, but, but how is it connected? And what that enables it to do is really to identify on all dimensions, because we look at all the data, how things are changing and evolving over time. Much like when you, when you looked at me and you saw all the connections of, of my face and, and you compared it to a memory. That's sort of how the technology is designed to, uh, to identify these things.
1: I do have one cautionary question to ask. There has been talk about the use of AI in determining customers' creditworthiness, and people have been concerned that, that there might be issues around social standing, around race, and AI has to be programmed correctly. It has to have the right inputs. Otherwise, it can go off on, on crazy tangents of its own. It, is there no danger that that might happen here? Oh, I think, look, first of all, I think the people who are concerned about that should be. Uh,
0: they should be concerned that these, um, these uh, especially these supervised machine learning models, they have a lot of bias in the model. They're programmed to be biased. That's how, that's how they're created. So you, you are training it to to identify things that uh, that you want it to. And so it has a lot of human bias in it. Uh, the technology that we use is, is very unbiased. Unsupervised machine learning is by nature data-driven. I won't say there's no bias. I mean, I don't want to make an absolute statement. There's some bias in it for, for sure a little bit, but it's um, it's very insignificant relative to the credit models that are deployed today. Social media platforms. It's, it's, it's very biased, no matter, it, it, it's very subjective. What's objectionable? What's not objectionable? What's, what's too political? What's too. That's a very subjective call. But actually, un, unsupervised artificial intelligence, uh, unsupervised machine learning, or artificial intuition really has the ability to have an unbiased look at this kind of thing and uh, to be able to identify what's really objectionable or what's not based on an unbiased standard. Who is to say what that standard is, like who, who's to decide? And I think when you talk about credit creditworthiness, coming back to that for a minute, it's not just what were the rules and how were they applied, but it's also what were the algorithms? How did they, what conclusion did the algorithms come to? And most of these, most of these um, machine learning models are black boxes. You could see the, um, the anomalies, you can see the output, but you can't trace it back to why. And so, and, and that's another, you know, just a differentiation for us is where it's really, it's really a glass box. It's designed from the ground up to be fully transparent, fully traceable. You can see exactly w- what dimensions of the data the algorithms uh, identify that were, uh, that caused it to be an, a good credit or a bad credit. And you can trace that all the way back to all the raw data. And so it's important, I think, so I think having unbiased models and I think having um, transparency in terms of how those models were applied to data and what, um, what outcomes. And being able to clearly uh, understand that process, I think, is where, the, where the, the market's going, for sure.
1: Okay, this is obviously a much faster process to implement than those that currently exist. Is this bonanza time then, with all the banks in the world scrabbling to keep up with changing consumer habits changing demand for digital services that they they are having to provide at speed and at volume that they weren't expecting to do so maybe for another few years.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, listen, uh, you know, like I said earlier, the market's really changed. And uh, what, what you see are the banks are, and financial institutions, fintechs, it's not just banks, but companies who, you know, trade finance, cross-border payments, anytime you're moving money globally. These institutions are scrambling to find controls that will work in the new new era. And it's, it, it's even exacerbated because the old systems that they had in place are generating 400 to 600 times the volumes that they have to deal with. They were all, they all, all the remote workers, you know, all the other workers were out and remote, and, and they, they weren't looking at all of these volumes of alerts for some period of time. So they have this huge backlog. And it's getting bigger and bigger every day. So in the context of, of that, they're also trying to find what the new thing is. Um, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a very challenging dynamic. And so do you, do you buy, do you build, do you partner? And I think, I think in different regions of the country or different, different countries, different regions are grappling with, um, do we build it ourselves? You know, everybody's got smart data scientists who want to do a lot of projects and build their own things. A lot of banks have sort of been down that curve and they've spent tens of millions of dollars and years uh, trying to build their own thing. And they sort of have come to the conclusion that, you know, maybe getting software from a, from a vendor is a, is a better approach. One thing is for sure is that the COVID area has accelerated a lot of curves. It's moved banks closer to the cloud. It's moved them closer and, 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 and accelerated the adoption of artificial intelligence I think the regulators have really given the banks, uh, given the financial institutions uh, clear signals that they expect them to adopt these new technologies because they, they expect that the controls and the ability to, um, to identify these financial crimes will be, uh, will be greatly enhanced with these technologies. The other aspect of that is also on, on the revenue side. Uh, one of the things that and one of the areas that we're focused as a company right now is around correspondent banking and cross-border payments. And what we see you know, around the, uh, the correspondent banking is that the banks, because they can't manage the risk, they haven't been able to effectively manage the risk in this channel. They've been de-risking. So they've been exiting relationships and their businesses have been shrinking. And so being able to bring the right technology to enable them to have good controls on their business, to be able to find fraud and money laundering and, and to identify clearly the risks in this channel has actually enabled our customers to expand their business. Um, So they're actually building relationships, defining new payment corridors, reducing their risk. We had one bank tell us that they can actually run 50% more business on the same footprint, 50% more with 70% less uh, investigation time, 70% less human capital. So 50% more business, 70% less work. That's, it's, it's dramatic, you know. And that the, would
1: be reflected in the bottom line for the, the institution as well, of course.
0: Absolutely. It's a clear ROI. And, and, you know, you know, these things like COVID and these changes in the marketplace, it's, it's a challenge. It's hard. It's difficult. We're going through, you know, a once in a generation thing and it's very difficult, but always in those challenges, um, there's an opportunity and the innovative banks, the one that, you know, the innovative companies are looking for that opportunity and exploiting it. And so we see banks who, uh, who are growing their business, who are adding new relationships, who are going into businesses that their competitors can't because they just don't have the tools to be able to, uh, to manage the risk of it. So it's a very dynamic market for sure. And I think that you'll see more and more that um, artificial intelligence and, uh, and the kind of technologies we're talking about are becoming more and more front and center.